Good evening, Canes fans. Peter Rees here with D Money, bringing you another edition of Canes Insight Live. Ton of stuff going on today, obviously in Coral Gables, a couple departures from the staff. And we're here to break it all down. As always, like this video, subscribe to the channel, sign up for Canes Insight completely free. And here we are, the man, the myth, the legend, D Money. He's here to analyze everything that happened today. As Miami loses a couple key members of the staff, everyone's trying to figure out what this means, D. Quickly, you know, your instant reaction to, to both of these guys, Alonzo Highsmith, of course, getting back to the NFL with the New England Patriots, and then Jamila Dye, cornerback coach, defensive back coach, headed to the Bills. Your thoughts on both of these moves? First of all, hey, everybody. Sorry we're late. I actually had a pipe bust in my front yard. My son was throwing the football, and he busted open the pipe. So had to take care of that. So sorry we're late. Um, good day, though. Won the first kids pitch game. My son hit a home run, got the game ball. So I'm feeling great. Obviously lost a couple coaches. Um, not unexpected. You know, I had mentioned I expected staff movement. Adai was the person I was talking about. I did not expect him back for a while now. I think part of this was getting the right landing for him. Obviously going to Detroit, or sorry, to Buffalo Bills. Um, he wouldn't be there if he couldn't coach. He is a good DB coach. That's why he's landed at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, however, I think the fit and everything else, it made sense for the parties to part ways. Um, with respect to Adai, obviously the recruiting trail was tough. As we know, some big name misses. Uh, at the defensive back position, which has been a problem with Miami way before I die, but didn't solve that problem. And then some underachievement as far as the defensive backs, particularly last year. I thought last year, reckon 117th in pass efficiency when you have Tyreek Stevenson and Ivy, two guys who played in the NFL this year, James Williams, Camp Kitchens, uh, top 10 pass rush at that time. Should not have been as bad as we were last year. The communication issues, not all on a die's fault, but it just, it wasn't, it didn't click. Overall, and this year, you know, not a strength of the team in the 50s in pass efficiency defense. So it just didn't click. Again, the guy's a great coach. That's why he's in the NFL. But I think a, a change is going to be good for, for both parties there. And then Zoe, you know, I know that's your guy. You've known him for, for many, many years, dating back to your time at FRM as an agent. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on that departure? Yeah, I mean, that's another one that I don't think it's much of a surprise, D. Uh, you, you look at his role at Miami the last couple of years, and he was important to the foundation being laid and what Mario and his staff has, has – we say his staff, but what Mario is trying to do to this program in terms of roster building. Um, but when you're an NFL guy, D, in that NFL cycle, just, you know, like college, it's, it's around the calendar, right? It's, it's year-round. But I think Zoe understands that, and not to say he's, he's old, right? But you only get so many opportunities in the NFL. And I think he feels like this, is, this could be his last real big opportunity going up back up there to New England. Elliot Wolf, of course, a, another Hurricane who, who is the de facto general manager up there. And a guy that he has a good relationship with that he's, that he's worked with before at Green Bay, right? So I think it's a good fit, a good situation for him. And 
Look, at the end of the day, the, everyone's looking at these uh, personnel departments in college football and trying to figure out the future of what it's going to look like. General manager in college football, I don't, I, I don't know how that really works. It's it, in terms of the head coach is the guy who really runs the show, right? And that's whether it's at Miami or anywhere else, the head coach is going to be the one that makes the final calls. When you're in the NFL, there's there's a chain of command that is different than what it looks like in, in college football. And I believe that Zoe is a guy who understands what his skill set is and, again, wants to give it another shot in the NFL, right? So not a surprise. I, I think he wanted to get back there. At the same time, had some important contributions at Miami behind the scenes. But – I don't know if this is going to be something that is going to really affect the day-to-day um, in the offices there. You tell me if I'm wrong. No, I, I, you took the words out of my mouth. And actually, Laura Freeman had a great question. If you could pump it up to the front here. She asked, will the GM position be filled or will they restructure? And I think the answer to that is kind of what you said, which is, you know, this is not the NFL in terms of what the GM is, where the GM sometimes fires the coach, right? The coach runs the show here. And the GM's there to help the coach. So, and there's no owner, right? I guess the you know, university president or AD, whatever, but really the structure is different. So to me, I don't think you feel that. I think that was a position that was very much for Zoe. You know, this is the person that we want in the building. Let's make it work with him. So without him and the unique kind of stuff he brings, he's a different personality, different kind of cat, um, you know, just with his playing background, he's a tough guy. You know, he's different than a lot of guys you see in the front offices, not that they're not tough, but, you know, it's a different, it's a more powerful personality in a lot of ways. So I think you might see somebody who's more of an organizer, um, more of like a, maybe a data kind of guy, just someone who can kind of organize visits and things like that. Because really, like you said, Mario's the head evaluator, Mario's the head visionary when it comes to personnel, and he's obviously the top recruiter including the assistants. So I think it's really his show. And it's more about how you can help him um, as, as opposed to more Zoe brings, which is a true evaluation and, and a strong voice. So that's that to me might be more of a, you're not going to replace Zoe, but you're going to get somebody else to help Mario run the show. Any early, you know, names that you've heard for defensive back. We saw that they hired a running back coach, last night obviously which we will get into um but there's going to be another addition to the staff here obviously a defensive back do you think that they lean more towards a recruiting type or a guy who can develop the talent i think it'll be a younger guy not necessarily a big name you know it's gonna be interesting i don't have inside info on who the db coach is as of now yeah, I spoke to some people at UM, but I didn't get any names on DB coaches specifically. You know, the names that jump out from an outsider perspective, Nick Monroe's at Minnesota, did a great job recruiting South Florida at Syracuse. Um, Pat Sertan, too, obviously, in Tallahassee right now with the Seminoles, the former NFL pro bowler, whose son is one of the best defensive backs in the NFL right now, obviously coached at Heritage. You saw that happen once already with Rump. So will they repeat that? With Sertan, two different people. You don't know it's not going to turn out necessarily the same. Um, although to Ruff's credit, look at Ruff's rankings in pass defense compared to what we're doing now. Top ten finishes for Ruff, even with his recruiting problems. But that's a that's a sidebar. 
Sertan is coming like, off of a die. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna you know hire Rumpf based off what. No, no, no. I, I, know, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant that if you look at, you know, I was saying that you don't want Sertan necessarily to be another Rumpf, but at the same time, Rumpf had top 10 defenses, the pass defenses. I believe he had the number one pass defense one of those years, maybe 2017, 2016. Actually, sorry, 2018, he had the number one pass defense with, with, with Gerald Willis up front and then some of the guys back there. So to me, I would cast a wide net. I would focus on youth and recruiting. Miami has never ever, as long as I've been following Miami, maybe dating back to when we got Antrell Roll. Miami's never really gotten the premier defensive backs as far as the recruiting rankings. Tracy Howard one year, who really was probably overinflated based on his physical attributes as a, as a five-star type prospect. Miami needs to do a better job of landing premier corners. You know, I, People get mad at me because I say that you don't need to land premier five-star quarterbacks, right? I say let, let other people spend, bid on five-star quarterbacks. Get guys like Cam Ward in the portal. Get guys with tools that you can develop at quarterback at a high school. They don't need to be five stars. Cornerback, give me those five stars. You know, safety. You know, Caleb Downs. Uh, corner, you name it. All the guys from Alabama, LSU. Those guys are all five-star blue-chip guys. That's what you need at that position at a high school. You're not going to get that in the portal unless it's a freak situation like a Caleb Downs who just – you know, goes in and goes to the highest bidder. It's not a high quantity of that kind of player in the portal. You got to get them out of high school and uh, and keep them at safety and, and cornerback. So I think a recruiter at that position, to me, makes a lot of sense. DVD, Demarcus Van Dyke, his name's getting thrown around a lot. Obviously, he was just at FIU this last year, just got hired at USF, has his history playing, and as a part of staff at Miami, me personally, I would, I would probably believe that Mario's just going to, you know, let him do his thing at, at USF and let him continue developing, you know, as, as a coach and as a recruiter, I, I don't, my guess right now is I don't think he would be the guy. The crazier things have happened. Right. Um, but like you said, I, th- I think it may not be a name that people are necessarily thinking about. Right now, Nick Monroe is an interesting one to me, for sure. His name was definitely in the mix last time around, from what I understand. Um, but it'll be an interesting position to, to fill because this is such an important one for this team next year. And I think Miami's not going to screw around. You know, like with Van Dyke, he could be an excellent defensive back coach, but you want to get him when he's already proven himself to that level. He's still a young coach. He's still working. Miami cannot lose next year. You saw it with the Cam Ward, how desperate Mario was for Cam Ward because he knew Cam Ward was the quarterback he needed to win 10, 11 games, get into that into that big playoff. That's why he was laser-focused on Cam Ward. He wasn't even looking at different options like he, like he might have, he probably should have. So, But ultimately, he got it done. I think with all these coaching staff hires, Mario's going to get what he needs and not try to get someone who's learning on the job Again, Van Dyke might be the right choice, but it's a little bit of a risk at this point. I think Morrow's going to go with someone probably a little more established, but hopefully still young and and able to relate. With Adai, it was the recruiting part that hurt him, but also I think there were some relationship things with players on the team. Not all the players on the team, but there were some relationships, important relationships that weren't where they needed to be with Adai. So 
you don't want the coach to be everybody's best friend. The coach has got to be hard on these guys. Got to develop them, but you don't want bad relationships. Certainly not in recruiting and not necessarily on the team. So a lot to balance because <laughs> the technique win now. Same time you want a recruiter, you want someone who can relate. There's a lot to this. But I think this position is one of the most important positions because Miami just has not been where it needs to be in the defensive backfield, recruiting-wise or on the field under Mario Cristobal. And then, of course, the other piece of information that broke last night, Matt Merritt being brought in as the running backs coach, coming in from USF, did a very good job from all accounts over there. And just your initial thoughts on that hire. I like what I see. I don't. I can't say it's a name I'm overly familiar with, but I like that this is a guy who he was at Ohio State with with Ezekiel Elliott on the national championship team. Young coach at that time, he wasn't running the show, but he was learning. Then he comes from a place like Tennessee and a USF, where you're running a different kind of offense, a wide open offense, different types of things. So he's seen different types of football. Obviously, he's been at a lower level at Georgia Southern. He's had success. He's had success everywhere, considered a riser. So it's an interesting name to me. I thought Tim Harris did a good job. But I like somebody who's been around an Urban Meyer, who's been around a Josh Heupel, who's seen different kind of things and brings a different perspective into that room. And you kind of alluded to it as Gio's asking here, running back coach didn't have a lot of South Florida ties. You think they'll focus on a DB coach with heavy South Florida ties. Listen, I used to be the guy who who used to say hire all the high school coaches down here and bring them in because they have South Florida ties. But you just said it. There's more to it than just having ties in a, in a certain area. You have to have a real track record and, and something to show for. One thing that's different about Miami now because I used to criticize Miami for going national too much because we were getting mediocre national players who didn't pan out. We were getting leftovers. The philosophy in all respects to recruiting is different now because you have a head coach who is your main recruiter. You don't need star assistant recruiters to make up for his deficiencies. You need guys that can recruit. Obviously, we just talked about that with the die, that you want guys that can recruit. And do and carry their load, but you don't want to hire someone just because they they have some South Florida ties. Mario's going to recruit his butt off. If you get somebody who's a hard worker who will recruit, even if he's not someone who has built in relationships and who can coach, I think you're in good shape. You don't want to take shortcuts necessarily. Now, look, does that mean you don't get a Pat Sertan? You know, South Florida ties aren't a bad thing. I think with Sertan. The biggest selling point to me is that those American Heritage DBs are well-coached every single year. They come out ready to rock. Not, not the least of which was his son, who was probably the most technically sound corner to enter the league, certainly at that size and speed that I've seen in a while. You know, It wasn't like he came in raw. So maybe Sertan deserves a job just on the strength of his development. It's hard to say. Morrow's going to go through the interview process. But to your point... I don't think you just bring in a South Florida ringer. This is a recruiting operation. You want guys that are good recruiters, period. You want guys that are good coaches. You want guys that can handle the grind that Mario puts on these guys. And that's something we should probably talk about is this is not a program where I think you're going to see assistants be here for 10, 12 years. You know, um, I think you're going to see guys hopefully move on to better jobs because they're having success here. But also it's like Alabama. 
it's hard to stick around Alabama with the pace that Nick Saban carries. Morals come from that same cloth, recruiting and otherwise. If you're just joining us right now on this Canes Insight Live, remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and of course, sign up for the canesinsight.com forums. It's completely free, and that's where most of the action is seen before it gets to Twitter and everywhere else, right, D? So uh, that's our that's our little infomercial there. But these moves today, I mean, like you said, it's the Jamila Dye move I don't think is much of a surprise. I think from what both of us understand, um, the NFL was probably a place that he had been looking to um, for the last couple months, right? And then Alonzo Highsmith, again, getting an opportunity to work at an organization that has had a ton of success, obviously, and he's going to have uh, a lot of power over there and uh, be a big part of the roster building process and the scouting process as well. Yeah. By the way, Osco dog, my cousin uh, has a, has a comment here. He's asking any more changes anticipated. I talked to a lot of people today. I would say yes. Now I don't have a name, and I'm not being coy. I really don't have a name as far as who that change is going to be, who's going to leave. But I heard there's some movement, potentially. Now, sometimes people are interviewing and they don't get the job. You saw that last year with Jason Taylor and with um, with Big Joe. So you don't know how it lands. But I do sense that there's some movement right now. Again, this is me speculating. This is, Don't take this as Danny's reporting something here. This is just connecting dots. The Dolphins just had a big defensive staff turnover. Jason Taylor's always going to be in the mix with the Dolphins. And even though his son's coming in as a walk-on to Miami, obviously if he's at Miami Dolphins, he's going to be close enough to his son uh, that's playing. So that's one to watch. Again, no info, just connecting dots. But I do think there will be some turnover based on what I am hearing, that things are happening. It's a crazy time for staff movement and – if you ask me to guess based on conversations I had today, I don't think this is the these are the last two uh, coaches to move. And look, I just piggybacking off what you just said about Jason Taylor, the coaching business is very network related. Obviously, every single coaching staff in the NFL knows who Jason Taylor is, so there's no network that's needed uh, in terms of reaching out to him and trying to figure out we need a defensive line coach. Let's go bring in an NFL Hall of Famer, right? So it's not like there's no dots to connect here and say, well, he worked with this guy who's now the head coach. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. He's obviously making waves and and trying to move up in the coaching world. So like you said, D, I think that's one to watch. Um, Another question here from Canes Cats Heat 305. Appreciate your support. As always, the basketball team needs to get it together, brother. We need to we need to make this this run here as we get into the the most important stretch of the season. But he's asking who fills Alonzo's spot. Based off what I heard and what you've said already, D, I don't know if it's one guy who steps in and is now that general manager, so to speak. I think there may may be an addition or two to the personnel staff, but I think everyone kind of just picks up a little bit of, of what Alonzo's role was in the, and they keep it moving. And in my opinion, I think maybe someone that's more of like a capologist, which sounds crazy. There's no cap, right? 
with the NIL being what it is, you just need an organizer, someone who knows the numbers. This guy's getting this, this guy's getting that, and not put so much on your recruiting staff. That's worried that, you know, there's folks like Dennis Smith, who was just honored by the 247 as, as one of the top recruiters of the year. Guys like that, they're focused on adding, recruiting, putting guys in the building. Somebody needs to be in charge of managing the the money as far as, you know, what NIL is going where, how much is available. Now, that's happening now. People have that responsibility now, but those people have other jobs. So I think somebody just help with that kind of thing and other organizational type aspects of recruiting would go a long way. Because at the end of the day, Morrow's going to be your lead recruiter. Morrow's going to be your head evaluator along with the assistant coaches. Dennis is going to help with evaluation as well as acquisition and a lot of other stuff. But you got to help these guys. They're doing too much. They brought in this top five class, but they shouldn't be doing everything that they're doing in terms of just juggling all these things and, and keeping track of all of these, you know, all these things that you did not have to worry about in college football 10 years ago. Bring someone in who specializes in that, who majors in that, and that'll help everybody else out, in my opinion. D, I'll say this. There was a thread on Kane's Inside a couple of weeks back about front office you talking about Miami and the success of, of alums who have gone on and been big contributors in front offices. We got now Alonzo Highsmith, assistant general manager for the Patriots, Elliot Wolf, who, like I said, he, he is the de facto general manager up there, James Jones, GM of the Suns. You got Ryan Otero and Sam Abrams with the Cubs, you know, doing, doing great things. So a lot of great Canes have, have gone on and been big decision makers at the next level. You know, with the Ravens too, right. You know, Andrew Raphael, uh, national scout for the Ravens. Right. So you've got, you've got names across the sports world, uh, very recently who have gone on from the university of Miami and become big contributors, uh, as executives and front office members here. And I'll tell you, you know, I wish the timing was a little better on this because I don't, I don't, I haven't heard anything about this. This is not like me reporting anything at all. But you know, man, Matt Doherty did a great job uh, at Arizona, former Miami. I, I was going to throw his name out there, yeah. So Matt Doherty, who was there with Golden, um, he was in Arizona with Jed Fish, did a great job there, as we saw with what Arizona did and some of the players they brought in. Now he followed Jed to Washington. That's a pretty good job. I don't imagine that he's out there looking, but he is a Miami alum, right? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, and, and another guy who was who was in the NFL for a bit with the Patriots too. So, so maybe that's a down the road thing, but he's someone when we talk personnel, somebody like that, because you just need Zoe is a unique personality. His role was the Zoe role. Let's get guys to take things off of Dennis's plate, off of Mario's plate, off the assistance plates, because they are driving a hellacious, hellacious pace as we're seeing with the assistant coach turnover. Obviously, it was a big day, the a lot of movement here. Any other tidbits that you have to share? You, you know, you spoke to some people within the building today. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, um, but anything else of interest to be tracking here? Aside from the, the fact that I expect a lot of movement, 
potentially, or not a lot. I expect movement. I would say, I think recruiting will probably be quiet just for a little bit, um, but we'll pick up. You know, Lamar Williams, who committed, who someone we talked about in the bank last time we did a podcast to keep an eye on out of uh, Havana, Florida, obviously committed. The I heard on him that his his wingspan. Let me pull up. I have the numbers here, but his wingspan was NFL elite. He's about six foot seven. Let me tell you that the exact measurables that we got on on um on Lamar Williams from six six two seventy five. 83 inch wingspan, 36 inch arms. So Pete, you know, you worked in the NFL circles and draft and with a lot of linemen, those are pretty elite measurables. Obviously the weight will go up, but in terms of 36 inch arms, that's on the high end for a tackle for Miami's newest uh, commit out of Havana, Florida, right? Well, and the movement ability, that's something that uh, you hear the, the the staff is excited about with Williams as well. It's, the The weight is so not really important at this point. I mean, no one is really looking at that. At the, you look at you look at the guys who end up making it a lot of times. A lot of them were tight ends or other positions. They weren't even offensive linemen at this point. So I think the frame you're looking at with Williams um, and the upside is is huge there. Getting some some other questions here. Tim asking movement with what coaching or transfers. Look. The transfers, we understand there's still going to be movement here throughout the spring and, and after spring football, right? And and as D-Money just said here, if you're just joining us coaching-wise, there could be another, another piece of movement or two. I, I would not expect the coordinators, obviously, to be moving at this point. Um, but you never know. He mentioned, as D mentioned, nothing he's reporting, but defensive line coach Joe Salavea, Jason Taylor, both of those guys potentially um, would be guys to watch, I would think. Well, just the fact that the people interview that don't necessarily leave. And certainly with Taylor, that Dolphins turnover scares me with him. Now, Rock and Rant had a comment, if you want to pull it up, that I want to get to. Uh, Rock and Rant saying, Peter D. Money, can you guys comment on anything you hear in the heck around all the NCAA changes, FSU, ACC, Miami, Big Ten, future, et cetera? You guys rarely comment on those big picture things. And I'm glad you asked. And Pete, I know you've been in some of these conversations as well. I've spoken to people that are very much the people who would know these kind of things from a Miami standpoint. And what they have said is Miami is very much in a – I don't say wait and see, but in a observing mode, they are watching with a lot of interest in FSU's lawsuit. FSU's paying those lawyer bills. FSU's testing that contract. Miami's going to see what happens there. They're not paying those lawyers, but what FSU does could impact Miami standing with the ACC. All the movement they're watching that closely. The addition of these West Coast schools to the ACC. SMU, sort of half measures, just try to keep up. I don't think anybody thinks that's the final domino. Again, this is what I've heard from people that are directly involved. Pete, I know you've been in in some of those conversations as well. So Miami is just observing, ready to move when necessary, but they're not the ones suing the ACC like FSU is. They're not in the SEC or Big Ten right now, obviously. They're waiting to see how it goes. But if the, I don't see any world 
where Miami is left out at the end of the day. The market is too big. The brand is too big. The spend from Miami's standpoint is too big. They're spending eight, when you're spending $8 million on a coach, when you're spending millions and millions of dollars on players, when you're landing top five recruiting classes, you're not going to get left out in the cold. So I do not see that happening to Miami, but Miami is observing because Miami's not in a position to worry about all those things. Miami's the most important thing for Miami Hurricanes is to have a good football team again. That's the mission, right? Is to get the players and the coaches to have a great football team. People have asked about the facilities and all that. Miami's trying to win NIL. Now, now. <laughs> Miami's trying to win coaching. Miami's trying to win portal. They're trying to win the Cam Ward sweepstakes. They're trying to win the ACC top recruiting class. They're trying to hire the right coaches. They're trying to fix the things that we saw were wrong on the field. So that is their number one priority. Avoiding some of the game management issues. That should be a top priority. Miami's got to worry about themselves. The rest will fall into place. But I'm, again, confidently reassured they're observing everything and they have people in place that know what they're doing. Obviously, Dan Radakovich as athletic director leading Miami through these interesting times as, as college football as a whole is in the balance. The ruling the other day uh, in terms of these guys, uh, Dartmouth, I believe it was, as employees of the school. It's going to be a very interesting case to track here. Um, but like you said, it's not like Miami and Dan Radakovich have not been involved in discussions, right, and have not been exploring what the options are. Let, let's just say that just because there hasn't been movement yet does not mean that Miami's not in these discussions and in the picture. Like you said, Miami is an extremely valuable asset and would be to whatever conference, uh, potentially if Miami does make a move, you know, could swoop in and, and grab them. Yeah. Miami's got to be, Miami's got to be good at football. That's it. Forget the rest. Miami has to feel a good football team. They should got to try to make the playoffs this next year with their veteran quarterback, with their offensive line. That's what matters. The rest will take care of itself. I think in terms of the, that, the ruling, very interesting. Could we see revenue sharing down the road? Does that mean NIL is going to be obsolete? I doubt it. You know, I bet what's going to end up happening is if you get revenue sharing, you get contracts where players can't leave, you get salary caps, you're still going to have schools that are spending on NIL because you can't stop people from paying for image and likeness. NIL is marketing. I don't, I, I've had to explain this to people so many times. It's marketing money. They are getting paid for name, image, likeness is marketing. That's what, that's what, these companies do is they spend money on athletes or athletes or not. They spend money on celebrities, on personalities because they want their product, their company, whatever it is marketed. That is what NIO is. It's turned into something different with the schools now being able to get involved, obviously. But I agree with you, D. It's going to be both. It's going to be the school itself probably having to share revenue. And then you're also going to get these outside entities, these third parties that are still associated with the school, but 
it's going to be different than revenue sharing. Yeah. By the way, if anyone has any questions in the comments, throw them out. You know, we did a big bank a week ago on recruiting. You already saw Lamar Williams commit. Any recruiting questions, we're happy to to tackle those. Team-wise, it's pretty quiet right now. Aside, you know, as far as the players, obviously the coaching movement is, is a big topic. But um, I'm happy to answer any questions, you know, that anybody has. But I think uh, – And as Adam Hurwitz says, age, an agent's secretly involved. There's no secrets. Agents are allowed to work with players now in college. I mean, the, the schools and and – the third parties are dealing with with agents so that's just a part of the game and as the as the money alluded to you're going to need people within the program who can deal with these with these people and with these agents because it's going to be it's it's more than just recruiting the aspect of you know what's happening on the field and player development and things of that nature yeah it's it's a moving target Right. That's another thing that's different is there's always some new thing to learn and to adjust to. That's why I say when it comes to recruiting, I would adjust to the fact that when you look at the top, look at the NFL draft, look at the Heisman list. How many of those guys are portal guys at quarterback? We got to adjust to that because if we're still playing by the rules from 1995, we're left behind. Obviously, landing Cam Ward, the number one quarterback in the portal and paying what Miami paid. That shows that they're adjusting to that. As we wrap things up here, get any more questions in the comments section here. D, it's it's a very interesting time now recruiting-wise, obviously, 2025 class getting revved up here. As Brad Tejeda and I have been posting these interviews the last few days, pretty much every, every day, every other day, with these top prospects for this class, do you expect this recent staff movement to slow anything down or do you think that they're just going to continue to hit the uh the road running i think you'll see a lot of action probably later in the second half of february things will really crank up by the way publicize some of those interviews because those were really good alvin henderson i saw jarquez carter the the tight end from buford was his name that you hayden bradley hayden bradley yep Great interview, great talent. That kid is a stud. By the way, uh, so Derek Lawrence had a question I wanted to answer, Pete, if you could pull him up, which is what position is number one target for spring portal wide receiver? Some of this changes because you don't know what's going, who's going to get hurt in spring, who's going to transfer in spring. You know, we don't really know what the spring is going to bring. But if you sit here right now and say, what do you expect after spring to be the number one area wide receiver? Miami is in a position to – land better wide receivers than they were before spring because now they have the quarterback locked up. The timing of Cam Ward made the the initial wide receiver portal market tricky because you're not going to come into a uh, school as a wide receiver if you don't know who's going to throw you the ball. Ward got secured later in that process. It's going to be a lot easier to get guys in the next spring period with Cam Ward. But again, you don't know what the needs are going to be depending on injury, God forbid, and everything else, but I think wide receiver is probably going to be be interesting. The Canes Cats Heat three hundred five who who supports all Canes sports wants Willie Abreu or Javi Salas. I can get both of them. We definitely can get Javi Salas. I'll have to get Willie oh, yeah. on here too. Well, we're getting Salas next. So so Salas will be next week. We're going to do in studio. I think probably in studio a Canes baseball podcast. And by the way, we've been working. We the last studio podcast. 
was a little glitchier than we liked. We've figured out the, the we've figured out some bugs. We're sprucing up the studio with um with some memorabilia. We're we're working that thing. It's still not a finished product, so that's going to be uh, nice once we get that baby uh, up and running. So expect us to keep doing that. And by the time let's say March rolls around, spring football, you're going to be seeing daily Canes Insight podcast daily on whatever's happening. And they'll, they'll be live, I believe, most of the time, if not all the time. A lot more written content, a lot more prospect interviews, a lot more player interviews, current players, former players. We're just really going to rank, rank, uh, crank up the content in this year to come. So we're excited about that. I have a question here from Tim about one of your favorite Canes. I, I already know that. Colin McCarthy, C. Murder, was on Twitter asking Mario for a role. Could he be a Zoe replacement? You see, Dan Morgan is now the GM of the Carolina Panthers. McCarthy, the thing with McCarthy, man, he was really one of the best players on the Titans for a while. But then he had the same problem Morgan had, which was concussions. But he, McCarthy had games in the pros where he'd get like 15 tackles. I think he was a captain after his first year. So he was a hell of a player, very instinctual player, very passionate cane. You see him on Twitter. That's an interesting name. I don't know. I don't know much about McCarthy aside from him as a player, but I do know what someone like Dan Morgan, who was a smart player, was able to do when he translated his smarts on the field to the personnel area. Could McCarthy be something like that? Maybe. He's certainly passionate. Question: We've had two questions here from J.J. Gloucester about quarterback Nico Smith, who he's asking if he's a scholarship player or a walk-on. I know you were – Pretty excited about some of his clips the yeah. other day. It, definitely a walk-on from what I understand, but he's got some talent. His release is a little long. I mean, he really cranks that ball back before he whips it, but he does have some velocity. He has some size, some athleticism. Bring him in the room. Miami's improved their walk-ons under Mario Cristobal. It's tough to get walk-ons at Miami given the, the tuition, but Miami's improved their walk-on program. as a very important program. Talk about Joaquin Gonzalez historically, some other walk-ons that have made a big difference at Miami. Always good to have that pipeline going, and you never know what you're going to find. Wanted to end it kind of on this, Dean. You you mentioned earlier in the show, but shout-out to Dennis Smith, who got a big shout-out, I'll say it again, on the article today on 247 Sports about his role at Miami. We see him firing up the fan base tonight on Twitter, pretty much tagging it. Listen, if you haven't been tagged by him tonight, then you got to step your game up because, because you aren't repping hard enough on social media, but the job that he's done here, uh, you know, with, with Mario in the recruiting department, and he's very much involved in the day-to-day recruiting efforts and what goes on here. The Dennis is the man. And his team, I want to, I'm pulling up the, the, the article because I want to get all the names of, as far as folks who contributed to this top five class. Steven Shrum, Miami's director of player personnel. I heard with Justin Scott that he kind of made that happen. He was really the consistent force in that one and got it. I've heard it was it's mentioned in the 247 article, but I heard it back then as well that he had done a lot with respect to Justin Scott, Todd Stroud. Field, Rump, guys we knew about as former position coaches who still have a role behind the scenes. And then Tia Joseph and Mackenzie Rizzi. 
you see them in all the pictures. Every time they show uh, the, the, the lunches at Smith and Walensky's or whatever it is, just the campus visits, you see those, those ladies. So it's a team effort. And all you can say, people say, how's Miami's recruiting department? How's their NIL? Look at things for itself. <laughs> look at the rankings. Look at the rankings compared to the on-field performance. A lot of that is Mario. Mario is probably more responsible than any head coach in the country for those kind of results. But he also has a team that he works very hard. He works them very hard. And Dennis is the is the tip of the spear and his whole team. You have Matt Suero, former Canes Insight uh, uh, staff writer, who's now working in the personnel department along with a lot of other talented people. So it's it's a great team. Well, Canes fans, appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight. Obviously, it was a big night and a big day of news and movement on the staff. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, there will be some staff additions here, um, like I said, and like D-Money said. I don't know if they're going to exactly do a like-for-like like swap in terms of that GM role that Alonzo Heisman had. And look, he was getting paid very well, too, so – Let's see if they end up maybe bringing a couple different people to fill those roles that he that that he was playing, you know, a big part of. But again, like this video, subscribe to the channel. We have at least one live show a week. Ton of content being dropped on the YouTube pages. D Money said Brad Tejeda and I have been busting out these prospect. Interviews Hayden Bradley, Chase Lofton, Jarquez Carter over the past few days here. And we're going to just keep getting these big names that Miami is keying in on. You may not know the names just yet, but I promise you as this recruiting cycle wears on, I mean, these guys that we're recruiting have been blowing up in their process. They're all going to be high four-star, five-star type players, I believe. Um, so stay tuned on the YouTube page on canesinsight.com for that. And if you haven't listened to the last long-form podcast with the bank or read the bank post on the Canes Insight forums, that's going to give you the best breakdown of who we're actually focused on and recruiting right now. So changing boards, a fluid board, but there's a lot of names out there that shouldn't be talked about. There's a lot of names that are not being talked about that should be talked about. One of them was Lamar, Lamar Williams, who we spotlighted in the bank, who just committed. There's more guys like that. Check out the bank on YouTube, and on the Canes Insight Forums. Thank you guys for the support. It's going to be a lot of stuff coming in the months to come. We're going to try to keep pace with this program, which is rolling fast, recruiting, and hopefully on the field. So excited to do it, man. It's going to be fun. Thank you all for watching tonight. 230-plus tonight on this live. Great turnout from the Canes fans. I appreciate everyone who was in the comments section and engaging with us. Like we've mentioned, a lot more of this stuff we love to get your questions. We can't obviously get to all of them, but the ones that we can't answer and the ones that you know we have information on, there's some questions we just don't have any answers for. But we love to get you guys in the comments section interacting with us. And like Dee said, the Daily Show is coming very, very soon. Excited for that. Tons of guests. And like you said, the current players as well. We're excited for that. And I think that should... Definitely be excited, exciting for all of the fans that follow this podcast and the website. Appreciate everyone who was on the live tonight. Sign up for Kane's Insight completely free. No reason not to be on there. We'll catch you guys next episode. Go Kane's.